I'm really grateful for the time that we have together this summer looking at Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia and how it's encouraging us not only to fully comprehend the grace of the gospel, but also what that means to our lives individually as families, as friends, as a gospel community. What it means to stand firm, therefore, in the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom to be loved and to love. The freedom to love and serve, not out of duty or obligation or compulsion or to earn approval, but because we have God's approval and because he first loved and served us in Christ. This morning we're looking at approval and how God's approval moves us to love and serve as God loved and served us in Christ. That approval isn't something that we seek to earn. Approval is something that we already have and therefore seek to respond gratefully to in our thoughts, words, actions, and relationships. This was really beautifully uh, impressed upon me in a new and a deeper way a couple of weeks ago when I had the opportunity to take all three of my children, 15, 11, and 9, on a backpacking and flatwater canoe trip for eight days. It was wonderful. We flew to Minneapolis, we rented a car, we drove to the Canadian border, and uh, we spent nine days outside living off what we had in our backpacks, covering about 65, 70 miles over those days, really experiencing the beauty of the Lord uh, in his creation and the fun and fellowship of being together in such an amazing place. One of the things that, um, that happened was that uh, the boys, Ben and Barrett, had a tent, and I shared a tent with my daughter, Susanna. And this was actually really amazing. And we developed this relational rhythm beginning the first night. And what would happen is, is that I was carrying uh, the tent and most of the things that went inside the tent in my backpack, and I would get those things out. And we would lay out the ground cloth and lay out the tent. And Susanna found that she really enjoyed putting the poles together, connecting them and helping set up the tent that way. And I would be there with her and uh, help her first couple of times figure out how to do that well. And then eventually I would go and I would gather water and start preparing to cook the meal while Susanna would unpack the rest of the things. This is amazing. And what she would do is she would get out um, our mattress pads and and lay them out in the tent. And then she'd get out both of our sleeping bags and lay them out over the mattress pads. And then she would take all of the little stuff sacks and arrange them and organize them neatly at the end of the tent. And then she would get out our camping pillows and blow them up and set them on top of the sleeping bag and turn down the corner of the sleeping bag. I have never had a tent mate like that. <laughs> it was awesome. 
It was absolutely awesome. If she forgot some of those instructions and set up the tent poles incorrectly or got distracted and left the bug screen open too long or accidentally got inside the tent uh, with her shoes still on, it didn't change my love for her one bit. She still had the fullness of my approval and blessing. She wasn't doing those things because she wanted me to like her. She wasn't doing those things because she wanted me to approve of her. She wasn't doing all of those things because she felt like she had to do those things in order to receive my blessing. She was doing those things in grateful response to the relationship that we already had. It was never, it is never, it will never be about her performance. She was setting up the tent poles because she knows that I love her. She was taking off her shoes and closing the, the bug screen because she knows I delight her and, in her and I'm crazy about her and I'm so happy just to be there with her. The things that she was doing were an expression of the love and the approval and the blessing that she already had for me. Nothing else. Nothing else. And it would break my heart if Susanna ever believed the lie that there was something that she had to do to win my love, to earn my approval, or to gain my blessing. She just has it because of who she is, not because of anything that she does. And as I was experiencing that in the backcountry, it brought to my heart how much more does our Heavenly Father feel about us. In Christ, we have the assurance of God's love and approval, and blessing. And so we desire to love and serve and please God in grateful response, not so that God will like us because he already does, not so God will save us because he already did. And so God's approval in Christ does this. It sets us free from trying to earn God's approval. <laughs> And it motivates us to love and serve him because we already have it. Do you believe that? Do you experience that? Because this is the heart of the gospel of grace. This is the heart of Jesus' message and the message of the apostles and Paul's reminder to the churches in Galatia. That in Christ, we have the acceptance, the approval, the blessing of God. It's based on what he has done for us so that we don't have to keep striving and trying to earn it. We can joyfully respond to it in every aspect of our lives. Let's pray. I'm going to pray 
the collect for the day, the prayer of the day. Our followers of Jesus are praying all across the world this morning. I think it's very encouraging and relevant to what the Lord has to share with us this morning. Oh Lord, give us perpetual love and reverence for you. For you never fail to help and lead those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. In your blue Bible, that's on page 972. Galatians 1, verse 10. This verse is the thesis, the thrust, the big idea of what Paul is trying to communicate in this part of his letter. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so what we see this morning is a little bit further clarity on the context of what Paul is sharing as he writes to these at least four churches in the region of Galatia. In this section of his letter, he's responding to criticism. Specifically, he's responding to an accusation that he's trying to please people rather than please God. It's an accusation that comes from a group of people within the church. A group of people who insist that new believers have to continue in the ceremonial rites and rituals of the Mosaic law, of the Jewish tradition. They were insisting that new converts, especially Gentiles, needed to be circumcised and keep up with things like dietary restrictions. And Paul had come and taught and was continuing to teach them that Christ had set them free from the requirements of the law by fulfilling those requirements on their behalf. And yet, this group of people within the church, these leaders, these teachers... Judaizers, as they came to be called, refused to believe and accept this. The gospel invited them to a new way of life. The gospel is the message that Jesus has fulfilled the law and that he has done everything that was necessary for their salvation for them on their behalf. And yet, rather than surrendering to the love of God, rather than receiving the fullness of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, in their insecurity, this group of people sought to change the essence of the gospel and impose their desires and their practices on the numerous Gentile converts. 
Do you see how that plays out? They wanted to keep the customs they were comfortable with. They wanted to continue practicing the rituals that once gave them a lot of influence. They wanted to go back or to protect, to preserve the ways things, the way things were, rather than receive the newness that had come to them in Christ. Rather than receive and enjoy the fullness of life, Christ had died and risen that they may enjoy freely by his grace. And pushing back on the grace of the gospel was really difficult when Paul was around. It was really hard when Paul was continuing to teach the fullness of who Jesus is and what he had done and who they are as a result. And so what do they do? They attack his character. They scold him for throwing out all the requirements of the law that had historically been a part of bringing Gentiles into the Jewish faith. And they shame him for trying to please the Gentiles rather than God by teaching that they could be saved apart from the law and through faith in the sheer grace of Jesus. This is what's happening inside the church. And what we see is Paul responding to this criticism with a lot of clarity and a lot of grace. A couple of things. First, he just shares his testimony. I love this. One of the, the things that God has done for every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is God has written a testimony on our hearts. He's written a story on our hearts that describes who God is and what God has done and who we are as a result of the love of God in Christ. There's a story that God has written on your heart that describes what your life was like before you encountered the grace of Jesus Christ. And that story contains your encounter with Jesus and who he is and what he has done for you and how you responded. And that story contains testimony of what your life has been like ever since. And people can argue time and place and location, but they can't take away your story. And that's why one of the most effective ways to share the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and to help people come into a saving relationship with him is simply to tell the story of your relationship with him. And that's what Paul is doing. He shares his testimony. If he was trying to please people, he's saying that he would have remained a Pharisee. He was the best at religious deeds. He was the best at living according to Jewish custom and tradition. He'd beaten everyone in his generation in being zealous for moral righteousness, and yet that didn't make him right with God. You see what he's saying there? 
He's saying, I've already been there and done that. You can't make yourself acceptable to God by the most zealous and detailed following of moral, ethical, or cultural codes. It doesn't work. And by asking anybody to do so is actually reversing the gospel. It's an entirely different gospel altogether. Paul is reminding the Judaizers that at one time he had been intensely hostile to the gospel. He wanted to destroy the church. If he was trying to please anyone, it wasn't the Gentiles, it was the Jews. And by the time Jesus met Paul on the Damascus Road, he'd done so many terrible things. Killed so many innocent people. It was on his way to arrest and imprison even more. And yet none of that meant anything to him compared to the love and riches of God's grace in Christ. And that love of God found him. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ saved him. And rather than continue trying to please the Jews and make much of himself by hating and persecuting the church, his heart was changed. And God had not only given him a new heart, he'd given him a new call to be a servant of Christ by loving the Gentiles, even if it meant being hated by the Jews, his own people. This is a powerful testimony. And his story alone is refuting the criticism and the accusation that those in the church are holding against him, trying to shame him. And he goes on, and he says that he receives this commission and message directly from the risen Lord. Three years in Arabia, and then continuing uh, on to Jerusalem to make sure that the message that he received squared with the message that the apostles had received. This is an amazing view into approval. And where we seek approval, how we receive approval, and why we can get that right and why we can tend to get that wrong. Even in Paul's response to the criticism of the Judaizers, we see the gospel of grace. We were created with God's approval and blessing. Did you know that? You were created with the approval and blessing of God. At the beginning of the story, God creates the heavens and the earth and he saves the creation of male and female in his image and likeness to the very end. It's his, it's his, it's his creative opus. It's the culmination of the glory of his creation. And when he creates male and female in his image and likeness, when he creates you and me, what does he say? It's very good. I approve. I delight I love 
I am so overjoyed with my creation, with you. This is the heart of the good news. The good news doesn't start with our brokenness and rebellion. The good news begins with who God created us to be in his image and likeness, full of his approval and blessing in relationship with him, enjoying and delighting in his enjoyment and delight of us. This is the original glory that we were created to enjoy. It's the operating system of our soul. The operating system of our soul is powered by the approval and blessing of God and no approval and no other blessing can ever satisfy or delight us more. The approval and blessing of God is our greatest satisfaction. That's at the core of our being. And yet, in our brokenness, one of the effects of sin in our lives is that we try to seek the approval and blessing of someone other than God. We elevate their importance. We desire to seek their approval and blessing as if we were equating their approval and blessing with God's. And really, this amounts to worship. And we give people power over our hearts that only God should have. And so we feel good about ourselves when we have their approval and blessing as if we've received the approval and blessing from God himself. And we feel devastated by the loss of their approval or blessing as if God himself were criticizing or condemning us. And in our brokenness, the way that sin has stained and tainted every aspect of our being, we get approval confused. And we begin to not revere and stand in awe and worship God. We begin to revere and stand in awe and worship a human being. Seeking the approval of people is a form of idolatry where we elevate someone's opinion and desires about us or for us above that of God's. And what the beauty of the gospel is, is that Jesus Christ has come to speak into and to do something about that brokenness, that confusion. And specifically, he restores us to the fullness of God's approval and blessing that we were created to enjoy in the first place. And what that means is that we don't need the approval of people because we already have the approval of God in Christ. We don't need the blessing of people because we already have the blessing of God in Christ. And any approval or blessing that we receive is a good thing so long as it's coming from God through somebody, but bad and unhelpful and harmful if we are seeking to put that person in God's place. 
The gospel is the good news that our broken, people-pleasing spirit has been crucified and buried with Christ. And we've been raised with Christ, and God has given us a new spirit. He's put a new spirit within us, a spirit that actually loves to honor and please the Father and elevate Christ in our every attitude and action. To do so, not to earn his approval and blessing, but in grateful response to the approval and blessing that we already have. The enslaving craving for human approval is broken and no longer desired when we become satisfied with the approval and blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. If you struggle with people pleasing, that's how God has healed and redeemed you. There's an old hymn, um, I'd Rather Have Jesus. I think it captures this beautifully. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll say it. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of soundness of soul and heart and mind. So we don't have to win the approval of people. We have the approval of God. Now, I don't think Paul's saying that we should never try to please people or that it's always wrong to want people to approve of us. Paul's talking about what drives us, what motivates us, what controls us. If our goal is to please people rather than to please God, he's saying that our service to Christ will be seriously hindered because our identity will be broken and our acceptance will be misplaced. I think Paul is also saying that we don't have to fear people but that we can rather trust God. And when we trust God and refuse to fear people and their opinions and their attitudes that may differ from God's opinion and attitudes towards us. We don't have to be bullheaded or harsh about that. It simply means that our primary orientation is to allow God, his word and his works to be the defining voice to which we listen and take comfort. The voices and the opinions and the approval of other people is always secondary to this. And the former has to filter the latter. So, I'm not sure where you are in your understanding of God's approval and blessing in your life. I don't know how you work that out in your daily experience, how that affects your relationship with God or your relationship with other people. But what we do see in the scripture this morning is that the love of human approval and praise is a huge obstacle to our identity in Christ. And it has been crucified and buried with Christ. And we have been raised 
and the approval and blessing of Christ. To live no longer for the praise of men, but as servants of the one who died to set us free. And when we've tasted the glory of God in the approval and blessing of Christ, our addiction to human approval, our predisposition toward idolatry and putting other people in God's place is broken and we're set free. And so this is our invitation this morning. As we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, as we surrender to the love of God and the grace of the cross and resurrection, as we hold out our hands and receive the bread and the wine, I want to invite you to join me for the first time or once again in surrendering to the love of God. Receiving the grace of Christ. Asking and receiving forgiveness for whoever that person is that God's placed on your heart this morning that is displacing Christ at the center of your life. Putting them in their proper place and restoring Jesus to his proper place. And with me, asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and awaken our hearts to the assurance and the safety and the delight of the approval and blessing that we have from the Father. That we can be free to love and serve him above all others. Not because... We have to or out of obligation, but because we're free to love and serve God because he has first loved and served us in Christ. Let's make that our humble, expectant prayer as we come to the Lord Jesus this morning around his table and experience the freedom that we have in his approval of blessing.